Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Tech Events Matter, a series of interviews of mentors and friends of Startup Sesame who all share one thing in common. They attend events as part of their job, a lot of them. On this new episode, we interview Raf Kruan, founder and CEO of Startup Bootcamp IoT, the London-based accelerator dedicated to building the Internet of Things of tomorrow. Hi, Hi. Raf. How are you doing? Hi, Ben. Very well. Thanks. Thank you for joining us today. Can you tell us a bit more about Startup Bootcamp globally and the IoT program that you run in London? Of course. Um, so Startup Bootcamp is a global accelerator. We have now 22 to 23 programs around the world. What we do is traditional accelerator business. So we have, um, you know, we take young companies, early stage companies, and we help them go to market through connecting with you know, corporate partners, investors, mentors, and the whole ecosystem. And we've been on, in business for about seven years now. We've helped north of 600 uh, entrepreneurs, and, and we have about 75 uh, you know, percent of survival rate. So we, we're doing really great. Uh, but one thing we're very proud about is the fact that we are you know, building ecosystems around the program. So typically this year, as we launched you know, a new area, such as Melbourne and Australia, we went to South Africa, we launched into India and China. In Mexico, you know, in, in new areas, new 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 ecosystem that need that sort of building up. Of course, mm-hmm. we're also present in the major ones. So you know, the the New York, the, the London, the Berlin. Uh, we're still to go to Paris, but we're working on it. Uh, and and we also this year iterate a little bit by launching a later stage program. So we just launched a scale program in San Francisco, for example. Uh-huh. Uh, Talk at later stage companies. We launched the second version of our fintech program in London, which is around. Uh, corporate partnership and for mid to late stage companies rather than just early stage. We're basically, you know, being uh, preaching the lean methodology and helping entrepreneurs iterate. We try to not being it, you know, disrupted ourselves and just try to iterate as well. So that's for the global aspect of it. Okay. As far as IoT is concerned, I built the program around Internet of Things uh, two years ago. We just closed our second year extremely successfully. We had an incredible demo day in the science museum in london with you know a runaway success so far it's very satisfying to see and we've uh, shifted and i'm sure we'll go back to that 
our mm-hmm. focus from what used to be pure consumer IoT, so your traditional, you know, wearables and and things like this, to a much more B two B industrial IoT segment, which is proven to be the right choice because it is, uh, you know, more sustainable and easier for corporate partners, which are traditionally working with accelerators, to kind of work with those companies uh, along the line. Very good. We're going to take uh, go back to this afterwards. Actually, I have questions about this um, sure. before we go a little bit deeper into uh, the programs and these different activities can you tell us uh, a bit more about your own background and particularly you were working like 14 years at apple before and yeah tell us a bit more about your background please and why sure. you need to to go back to the entrepreneurial life ah yeah that's the key question isn't it <laughs> um yeah so i i worked in a corporate world for for about 15 years overall, a little bit more from, you know, the telco world first. I started my career in Gen Plus, uh, Gemalto now, so in the telco world. Uh, you know, I'm a sales and marketing guy, business school typically. And, and I've always been fascinated by product and, and physical things, uh, devices as such. Uh, and I got lucky enough to join Apple at the right time, which, you know, was just before we launched the iPod. So you can imagine a very different time for the company. Uh, and I, I, you know, I successfully stayed in the company and, you know, grew the company with all the different products until 2013 when I, um, yeah, 13 when I decided to leave because basically, you know, my last mission with them, you know, was incredibly successful and interesting, but also quite frustrating for somebody who had known the company, uh, back in the day. So basically, you know, this turned now into a, a major organization with, you know, siloed multi-billion dollar siloed organization. And. And along the line, you clearly need reporting to be structured uh, around the company. And even though we still had for many years, Steve, you know, pushing the company to work as an entrepreneurial uh, institution with the right same mindset, um, you know, after many years, you realize, well, it doesn't work. It's, it's not sustainable if you really want to be driving the business that it is. So, um, you know, my last job, you know, iPhone and iPad in business in Europe, I was doing reporting and reporting and reporting. And, you know, after many Excel spreadsheets, I got bored and I want to go back to get you know, right in the middle of the action, getting my hands dirty again. So that's why, you know, it took me six months to a year to make up my mind because, you know, you don't leave Apple like that. It's, it's comfortable. It's a great company. It's quite innovative. Uh, and, and yeah, and you leave quite a bit of uh, stocks on the table when you leave. But at the end of the day, uh, I decided to leave. And, and important to note that, you know, joining the entrepreneurial um, you know, world that we know now, I never had a single shred of regret leaving. So I'm really happy I made that move. Um, and, you know, that's how we got to meet in the end. And we'll talk about this. Yeah. And uh, you don't have to redo reports anymore? No, only to my shareholders. But those are the ones I want to report to. <laughs> you know, it's a different kind of report. I guess that one of the uh, exciting part of your job is uh, getting to meet interesting startups totally. right? and, and uh, crazy entrepreneurs. Uh, can you tell us maybe a few that you met recently that were really cool and you are excited about? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, the first thing is, indeed, part of what we do is we, we recruit. So our cycle is we spend six months of the year scouting the world to meet the best entrepreneurs. And that's you know how we got to be uh, in touch together. And that's why we do so many events, by the way. Um, and we'll go back to that, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, the rest of the year is basically working with those entrepreneurs that we select. And you know, we, we, we scout around the world. We touch on average 1,000, 1,500 startups globally per year per program. Uh, and we only select 10 in the end. So, you know, the funnel is pretty, uh, is pretty narrow. Um, and it's a lot of work, obviously. 
Now, naming a few that I've seen recently, it's pretty hard because, you know, we meet so many. Uh, but what's exciting right now is the speed uh, of execution of some of those guys. And, and the fact that a lot of people that don't jump on the first buzzword that comes out there, you know, everybody wants to go on crypto and, and mm-hmm. blockchain. Mm-hmm. But I like the people that are not getting into that, you know, for our world, the second wave of maturity on IoT, for example, and looking at companies that make an impact. And so we've seen, you know, one of our companies this year, Internet of Trees uh, from Honduras, and we, we selected from all the way back, you know, a, a year ago from the other side of the world. Those guys are trying to help companies, uh, sorry, trying to help institutions and administration uh, prevent those big forest fires. And, you know, not only it's got an impact on lives because you save lives, but also impact on the environment. So those are the things that are exciting right now. Well, I, I had the question was, I see a lot of useless products within the IoT space, but you yes. believe it's changing and there's now a generation of impact-driven products. Like, this is my question. So thank you for answering. Already. Yes, the answer is absolutely yes, there is. Uh, and it's, it's, it's and why? Satisfying. Why is it happening? Because the market evolves, right? And maturity demands that. I mean, we, we, we've had that first wave, like any new markets, particularly around devices, you have the necessary evil of the beginning of an, uh, of an event where, of, sorry, of a market where you'll see those gizmos, right? Gadgets that you see every year in CES in Vegas, right? Those have a certain shelf life, but not, not everyone is Apple and not everyone can put the real great product on the shelves and sell them in satisfying demand. And also the life of a startup, as you know, is you know one out of ten tends to make it out right mm-hmm. in the world of of devices, particularly in the consumer space, it's even less than that because there's not that much demand for those kind of products. So what we've seen is indeed uh, a first wave of IoT consumer devices dying slowly. You know, in 2017, it's been the year of shift between you know the bad you know useless gizmos as we call them, right, and the wave of undervaluation, devaluation, even, you know, creating literally killed companies a la, a la you know, a la, a la Jogon, a la, a la Juiceros, a la, you know, some crazy other ideas that died because they just didn't have any legs. And we saw at the same time evolving a little bit more and, and emerging companies around not only B2B, as I was mentioning, industrial internet, that now finally got traction on the market through, you know, the demand for more real valued companies and, and solutions versus gizmos. And on the side of that, the second wave of IoT consumer devices that then are based on impactful technology, things that are actually making a difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, we see that evolving. And I think 2018 is the year of that. Um, can I ask you quickly, uh, there is a bit of noise because of your mic, like uh, touching uh, your shirt. Yes. Either you remove your shirt, which could be nice. <laughs> I would not do that, but I'm going to be. I'm going to be careful with that. Good point. <laughs> uh, thank you. Um, tell us about your your demo day. So I was I was so sad to not be able to join you, but yeah. you, you were full house was in London Science Museum. Yeah, and and so you organize your own events like this Correct. is particularly the big one for you. Yeah. Um, so tell us how was it, and also why it's important to do it. I, I heard that demo days were kind of a thing of the past. What is your opinion? Um, you know, when we talked about the evolution of the market and the fact that accelerators have now also a need to change, uh, Demo Day is the first model, right? It's the original model. Um, what changed in that, and that's true in the sense that things of the past as it was conceived before, it's not a fundraising exercise. And people mm-hmm. that try to do that, you know, will fail. It's not the point. It's a graduation day. It's a, it's a pat on the back, fantastic job, guys. You know, you need to have the visibility. And, and that's what we give them through Demo Day. So we organize 
an event that is basically a platform for those companies to get as much you know, eyesight on their solutions, as many contacts as they can through the community of investors, the community of partners, the community of potential customers, uh, the people that can help potentially new recruit. That's what Demo Day is about. Of course, if you want that, the best way to do that properly is to have the right people in room, but also to have that in a space that attracts people to come as well. And so that's the reason why we do those Demo Days still. It's a celebration and it's a way to get the word out. But the real value of what we're bringing is a lot more than just a demo day, obviously. It's just it's a target point, which allows those guys to actually have an, obje- an objective, a goal to work really hard mm-hmm. in defining their added value solution, their unique selling proposition on their business plan, and, and a great pitch deck, but more than that, an ability to develop and sell it. And so that's, the, that's kind of the, the goal towards demo day, and it allows to have like a, a, an ultimate deadline, basically. Yeah. But okay, we, right. also do, we also do just before. So that, you know, we do an investment week, which is for me, another really key, important part of the program, which is the week before Demo Day, where basically we had this year north of 140 different meetings on a one-to-one basis with each of the teams. Now, those, those are the real sort of, you know, engagements that we have, which is what used to be Demo Day and is not anymore. Okay. Uh, any other um interesting uh, format that you can see that our accelerators are putting together to sort of move away maybe from the traditional demo days. I see that you're doing it with a purpose. Uh, yeah. Other advice maybe for people looking, uh, watching the, the show, listening? Yeah, we, we've tried in Singapore, for example, our Singaporean program tried to do demo day on the road. So they basically mm-hmm. split that in four different cities. Okay. And, it, and it kind of makes sense in that region of the world because you have you know, so many different hubs that are actually far from one another. To, to some extent, we could potentially think about doing this you know, in, in, in Europe, in Paris, Berlin, London, and maybe in a thousand Madrid, for example, or Barcelona. Uh, well, actually, Madrid, because Barcelona is gone now, right? <laughs> uh, or, Valencia, or Valencia, right? Valencia is a new one. Uh, but I think it's, it's a model that, that kind of works as long as you have that engagement is those different hubs, but that doesn't catalyze as much as a central big bang. This is the event that we have. Okay. Um, so it's one model we've seen. Other models have just killed Demo Day entirely. Uh, and I still believe it's, it's valuable to have a mix of those two things that we discussed. Mm-hmm. Demo Day is not the only way to do it, but it's one catalyzer, basically. Um, you were telling us earlier that you go to a lot of events as part of your job. Uh, I understand that um, for the scouting part, where you are like for six months on the road to find interesting companies. Yeah. Um, so I get it. Like, this is one of the key reasons for you to, to, to do this. Sure. How many events do you have an idea you did last year at 2017? Yes, 32. 32. Mm. It's almost one. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Uh, it's almost one per week if we include the fact that you actually have some uh, holidays, I hope, with your work. What was that? Holiday what? Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, to, to be fair, this was, this was um, second year of our program is, is a key one for many reasons. Uh, one of the reasons why I did that many events is because the visibility that we want to give to our existing product cohorts, uh, the first year, the second year, but also our partners and the brand in general is mainly during the second year that we attract that. Uh, you know, first year is ramping up, second year is a key one, and third year we're not ramping down. We're actually, you know, capitalizing on what we built. Uh, and I'm expecting to do a lot less this year. I'll still do about 15 to 20, but I will not do as many as I did last year. Uh, and the one that I will do this year will be a lot more focused on that particular angle around impact, which make, makes it mm-hmm. sort of obviously reducing a bit the, uh, the, 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 the footprint that we're going to get. Okay. 
Um, other things that you expect from your participation at events, like I'm, I'm thinking, listening to you, that when I saw some of your presentations as a speaker, were you like introducing uh, on purpose within your presentation the products of your portfolio companies? Like just like, oh, randomly, I'm looking at uh, a By product that is coming from startup. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it, you, we'd, be, we'd be fooled not to benefit from that exposure, right? Uh, yeah. So, of course, it's part of, it's part of the game. It's part of our mission. But I, I hope that we're not only, you know, uh, sock sellers, right? And we yeah. do a lot more than just distributing that. I think our, I see my role as wider than this, even though my number one responsibility is to our shareholders and people that work with us. And, and as part of that, making sure that the people they want to invest in are getting as much visibility as possible. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you go there to find startups. I guess you want to be able to meet with them uh, yes. as part of the networking, matchmaking activities that are offered by the organizers. Mm-hmm. You go there to speak, uh, as I was mentioning, or judge uh, as well yep. in competitions. Um, you go to events without having this sort of uh, spotlight, like being a speaker or being featured on the program. And if so, why? Uh, and if not, why? I don't know like, if, it's, if it's a real question I'm asking, but do you see what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah. For you to be on stage, and if not, you would you still go to an event, and for which reason? So it's a question we're actually asking ourselves this year. So it's a good question. Um, second year for me, the visibility that I got through being on a panel, moderating a panel, or speaking was more important than the rest. Mm-hmm. Third year, it will be a little less. Uh, whether I go to an event when I'm not a speaker, I'd rather be a speaker because it allows us to have also a different level of networking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't mind being an investor in key, you know, uh, conferences. Now, if I want to be honest, I, I'm not a speaker in Web Summit and I'm not a speaker in Slush. Uh, I could, but I never push for it because I know they have much bigger speakers than me and for topics that potentially are more important. What matters in those conferences is the networking on the side, is the activities that we can participate into, and also is the meeting the teams. So in the case of not speaking, then what will me matter even more for me will be the quality of the matchmaking that we make by the conference. Uh, in an ideal world, and that's what I'm trying to push for, we'll get both. Right? Mm-hmm. We'll get not only a speaker slot that we can you know, give exposure to the brand and, and get you know, entrepreneurs seeing what we also offer, but also we would have prepared with my team and, and the conference a list of you know, 15, 20 people that we can meet along, along the course of the conference. And then, you know, best of both worlds. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. That was actually one of my questions. Uh, like you have clear goals and KPIs based on the uh, time frame of the program. Yeah. Um, like versus when you are sourcing versus when you are accelerating. And I was wondering, are events organizers aware of the needs of accelerators like yours? And do they help you deliver your KPI? It varies a lot, to be honest. They, they are aware and we make sure that they are. Uh, the willingness to participate and help, you know, is different from one conference to the other. Uh, and that's, that's, there's no, there's no like consistency across the board. Uh, I would say, Regional, regionally, some will be more attracted than others based on our presence as well as on our segment. Mm-hmm. Uh, timing is also essential, as in, you know, because we're recruiting during that time of the year, you know, all the events that are after when the prime is running is obviously a different sort of uh, uh, element for us. And by the way, on this, when I'm in program, then I'm not recruiting, which means that if I'm participating in a conference, then it's more about speaking than recruiting. Then, yeah. you know, it's more important for me to be a speaker. But to go back to what we were saying, I think it, the the model has been a little bit abused, to be fair. Uh, and I think we're getting, we're getting into a bit a bit of a fatigue of those pitching ele- events, those, you know, constant sort of startup judging uh, competition kind of thing where there's not a lot of value in the end until you actually meet the people on a one-to-one basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where, you know, company, uh, conferences like Latitude, Arctic, uh, Arctic 15, uh, uh, what pops to mind recently, uh, I did another one, can't remember now, but do a really good job at the matchmaking. Mm-hmm. And, and for us, when we are in that recruitment period, it's actually 10 times more important because then we can sit down with a pre-selected list. You know, Wolf Summit, for example, did a pretty damn good job last year for us. You know, it's not it's not a central region. It's a good one. It happens that for hardware, they actually do a lot because you know, Eastern Bloc and Germany slash are very sort of into industry four to zero. So for us, it's key. But they could do a really bad job at matchmaking, and they did a pretty decent job last year. We had you know, fifteen companies that we talked to, and probably four or five of them were very relevant, and you know, all of them applied. So on overall, if you do that in every conference, then you're done basically. Mm-hmm. And um, my my next question, you partly answered already, was uh, what are your favorite events and and why? Yeah, oh, it's a tough one. You know that <laughs> because there's many reasons why you would love those events. Uh, the networking, the fact that we see you know each other, friends uh, alike, uh, the location, uh, you know whether it's a, it's a good place to uh, to be. Um, funny enough. When you've done so many like you do and I do sometimes, uh, you get to see very quickly the value of an event, right? And uh, it's really the content, to be honest. I don't know how many conferences I've done and I haven't attended a single presentation, seriously. Because what matters for us is more than working on the side, the people you meet, the, the encounters that you might not have the ability to have otherwise you know, during the year. And that's, that's 10 times more important than the rest. Uh, and, and obviously the meet the teams that you meet that would potentially be joining you inside inside the program uh, for regions that you might not reach otherwise. So 
I think I, I tend to select more now location-based by organizers I know and the side events that there is, you know, uh, rather than just the content of the conference itself, really. Okay. Um, what would be your, your... You didn't really answer to my question, you, you know. <laughs> you want names, right? <laughs> uh, Maybe I some love, names that are not so popular, like, you know, like... Yeah, uh, I love Pirates. For example, I love Paris yeah. Summit. I think it's a very different format, and I love it. It's much more personal. Mm-hmm. I love Slush because everyone is there, and you get to meet everyone. Uh, I still have I still have four years from now because it's Barcelona. Uh, but on 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 the business, pure business side, as I said, you know, Wolf, uh, uh, Latitude, or Arctic, uh, and if I had to choose another one, uh, got a list all the conferences that I'm attending. Uh, but yeah, there's there's a couple that are you know popping up. Uh, I One think thing- that if you don't mention some of them right now, you're going to have a problem with the organizer. <laughs> so you're putting me on the spot right there. Okay, I've got the list that I could mention, but I'm not going to start looking at all of them. No, right. it's fine. It's okay. Well, I just mentioned that in the, in some eastern southeastern country, uh, it's very cheap to get your uh, knees broken. So true, true. Are you going to Sofia this year? Of course I am. Stefan knows I am. <laughs> but I'm also I'm also invited to Webit, which is an interesting one, right? So, but I am definitely going to be in DigiTalks, that's for sure. That's a, that's so you're going to have to go twice to uh, Sofia in June. Uh, I might, yes. Might. Okay, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, would you share with us your best piece of advice to uh, startups, especially first-time entrepreneurs who have to go to international conferences and they are like um, a little bit lost? Uh, from your experience of going to 30 of them last year, what mm. would be the main advice you would share with them? Prepare it. Work at it. Don't go just blindly because that doesn't make any sense and you're going to waste your time. You need to research who could be the number one people you want to meet. If you want to meet an investor, if you want to meet a corporate partner, if you want to meet an accelerator, if you want to actually meet peers to learn from their mistakes also because it's still valuable. Uh, do your homework. Just don't go there blindly. You know, this. there's... Every single time you'll go as an entrepreneur in those conferences, you'll get something out of it. Uh, but if you prepare it ahead of time and you're lucky enough to know the right people and join the Sesame group, then suddenly it gives you 10 times more value than anything that you would have done otherwise. Um, wondering how they can, uh, beyond preparation, like uh, of, of course it's a fact. And, and uh, actually at first, have you seen people, I mean, entrepreneurs uh, that didn't prepare? I mean, do you oh, meet, yeah. Yeah, you meet be surprised. Yes. I mean, I'm not yes. surprised, but I'm just asking for people who will be surprised, maybe. No, there is, unfortunately, a lot of those guys that do that recreationally and, and go there thinking it's just, uh, you know, gathering our minds and just go and show up. And, and because some of them actually have free booth, right? Because uh, mm-hmm. some of the corporates sponsor that and they just show up and figure, you know, I'm going to have tons of people dropping by. Just it doesn't work that way. Particularly the bigger the conference, the less people you'll get because it's a constant flow of people. It's too many. You go to web summit, it's ridiculous. You don't see anyone. It's just, it's a flow of people constantly. Uh, so I'd say the smaller conferences, the more targeted they are, the better for you, as long as you know what your segment is, right? Of course, uh, you know, themes are, are more important. The second one, try to have a list, a pre-targeted list, right? Of people you want to meet. And reach out to as many people as you know that can help you connect the dots. Um, and you know, you always have one or two degrees of separation anyway. There's always ways to get connected. And there's, you know, even though it's when you're on the other side, it's hard to get people bombarding you. 
it's still important to reach out. And of course, a warm recommendation is 10 times better than just trying to ping you on that, you know, matchmaking app that most of the time nobody used. Uh, so I, I would say it's about getting to know someone who knows someone and then make sure there's an intro done on site, face to face, around a coffee or on something. A quick question. Um, coming back to something you mentioned earlier about um, this new program that you uh, that Cyberbootcamp launched uh, launched in SF for later stage company. Mm-hmm. That's something that we started to notice that there are uh, potentially more, um, maybe not more events, but like we see more formats or tracks dedicated to later stage company now, like popping yeah. up as a way to maybe differentiate themselves, but also to to answer um, a need from the market. Mm-hmm. Um, have you noticed that as well? Like, do you see the sort of, okay, we, there's a lot of events that are covering early, very early stage uh, sort of startups, um, giving them, you know, workshop content, mm. uh, networking, et cetera. Maybe fewer of them that are targeting post-series A company. Um, is it a trend that you are witnessing as well? Because we, we, I mean, that's something that we, we start to talk about quite, quite a lot here. Of course. Uh, you know, if you take another example and you go back to, the first wave of very successful entrepreneurs in the Valley. Uh, a couple of companies, you know, from the PayPal mafia era just made success out of the first wave of internet comp- uh, you know, the internet wave in the, in the 2000. And the series of events that we saw popping up after where the likes of Falcon and other companies that were looking at, you know, how do you learn from that and how do you address the scale? And there's a lot of there's a lot of conferences that got created to address Series A, B, and more. You know, how do you get to touch a private equity guys? I could give you even more money than an L if you get on an exit path or even an IC, an IPO. Right? I was about to say ICO. So you would be <laughs> completely uh, <laughs> gone into that. Um, so yes, I, I I would expect that now we're getting into that phase in Europe where we're getting in phase two of the market maturity where you start seeing a couple of exits for sure. Mm-hmm. Then you start seeing you know second wave of entrepreneurs reinvesting. And so the need of, you know, those will be coming through as well for events, the organizers that will need to address those guys and not just put them on stage to tell their story, mm-hmm. but, you know, actually bring value to those guys to come back because they'll do that once or twice and then they'll go. Mm-hmm. So if we want to be successful at keeping those guys engaged and help the others to grow, then I think, yeah, we need to sort of look into that. Yeah, we, we're uh, particularly, I would like uh, to mention the program that Pioneers and Arctic 15 have put together for uh, post-series A uh, companies. Yeah. I have one last question, maybe two. Um, sure. There is uh, something, like you told me once a story of an event that you organized for Apple. Oh, yes. I don't know if you can share that with us, but I would love to hear about this event. I think it was in Canaria or like... In- yes, Lanzarote, yes. Um, well, I, I won't be able to share everything that I told you because that was in confidence and I think that's not for everyone to, to hear. But suffice to say, when you organize um, a, an event like that with the sales conference and the top executive team of, of Apple, uh, from Steve to team, you know, the, the attention to details has to be on par with perfection. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was, it, was a hard, it was a hard thing to organize in the most remote island in the world with little more than 10 flights every month. And there were 700 people to fly in from around the world. So <laughs> talk about a logistical nightmare. Uh, so I've, I've gone through that experience of organizing events in the probably the most difficult conditions. Well, not, not really. I'm sure there's worse. But it was, it was hard enough considering the, uh, the expectation level and, and the tension that was uh, you know, 
of the quality expected, really. So yeah, well, it was good at the end. You know what? The quality, the the yes, the conference was good, but what made the success of it was the people. We we were lucky to have an incredible spirit in the company, and even though we ended up having an evening on a volcano with a long table where it was freezing cold because of the wind. We ended up having so much fun and people end up at the table, literally making it the most. And, you know, that's what it is. At the end of the day, if you have the right people in place, it's true everywhere. It, it kind of works. Um, thank you. You are right now in post. I mean, you, you finished the program. You did the demo day. Um, yeah. Are you already uh, recruiting startups for the next one? Yes, we're just opening application in a couple of weeks' time. So we're, still t- we're starting to talk to people and the application uh, page officially will be open in a couple of weeks' time. And for how long? Uh, We'll probably open it until um, early July, I'd say. Okay. We have have a couple of months ahead of us. Uh, Startupbootcamp.org. Find the IoT program and do apply, people. That's where it is. Uh, We're looking for really good entrepreneurs, of course. We're looking for B2B IoT companies and impactful technology companies. One important element, the, the end of the layer that we love to look at this year is, you know, enabling layers such as, careful with the buzzwords. Crypto, blockchain, blockchain, <laughs> blockchain uh, but also anything that is, you know, uh, AI, obviously, because AI enabling technology is great for, of course, you know, making it even smarter. So anything that is on those different segments. Bottom line, go on our webpage, you'll see all of that. It's being indicated. Uh, I will use this uh, time to also promote our own program and call for entries. Uh, yes. We're, we're very happy to have you on board as a mentor this year because Thank also... You. Uh, apart from having you as a friend and you are a mentor from day one, it's also in the context of launching our new deep tech vertical where we are looking for entrepreneurs uh, working in those fields that you just mentioned. Um, and we see uh, uh, amazing companies. Uh, our call for entry is open until next week. We have one week more and uh, we can't wait to meet them all in Valencia at the end of March where you will be there. Thank you so much for making the time to join this, uh, us over there. It's going to be Precious, beautiful, and amazing. Um, anything else we can do to to help you guys and this uh, next, you know, uh, batch of startup that you're looking for? Um, no, I guess you know it's about spreading the word as much as you can, and and I'm sure we'll meet each other in conferences and help me drive the right companies anyway. So I'm looking forward to that. If anything, in Barcelona next week, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Raf, uh, for your time today and for joining us in this new episode of Tech Events Matter. Uh, the video will be available on Facebook and we will soon publish the podcast of your interview. I oh. see you in Barcelona. Thank you very much. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.